We're here to exalt our Lord and Savior and lift up His name on high. Amen? Amen? That's a little better. You have your Bibles, turn to Nehemiah chapter 4. We're on our seventh lesson on a series that we've entitled, Rebuilding Walls, Finding Your Place. Now the idea of that, folks, is for each and every one of us who are members of Fairview Baptist Church, find your place on the wall, so to speak, of the ministries of this church. God has placed you within this church to be involved in a ministry in some way, some form, some fashion. Jesus has never saved anybody, gave anybody spiritual gifts, put that person in a church just to warm a pew. He has placed you here in order to find your place and begin exercising your spiritual gift in order that the church will be able to be all that God desires it to be. Now today I want to talk to you about the idea of defeating discouragement. If there's one thing that will destroy a church quicker than anything else, it's discouragement among God's people. And let me tell you something, it's very easy at times to get discouraged. And from a pastor's standpoint, it's very easy to get discouraged when you see that people are not excited about ministry, when you see that we have to beg for people to, you know, be involved in ministry, whether it's a children's ministry, an adult ministry, you know, or, or whatever. You know, that can get discouraging sometimes. It can get heartaching sometimes that you say, well, why aren't the people involved? Why aren't the people enthused about doing what God has caused them to do? And folks, you know, you, you, you walk on, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the edge of discouragement all the time. Now, here we find in, Jude, in, uh, in uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 10 through 15, what happened as they were building the wall. What we see this morning is discouragement began to creep in to the camp. Verse four, uh, 10. And Judah said, now I want you to notice who said this. It was Judah. All right, that's the strongest of the tribes of Israel. The strongest. Sometimes we think, well, I'm strong spiritually. I can handle discouragement. What we see is the strongest of the tribes had a problem this morning. Judah said, the strength of, of the bearers of burden is decayed. And there is much rubbish so that we are not able to build the wall." The strongest of the camp was looking around at the rubbish about them. They began to get discouraged because it looked like nothing was happening. It looked like the work had just ceased, that people were no longer enthused as they were, you know, when Nehemiah come to them with a the vision. They began to look around and said, look at all this rubbish. There's no way we'll be able to build this wall. Verse 11. And our adversary said... Now they're, they're going back to what the enemy told them, whispered in their ear. Thou shalt not know, neither see, till we come in the midst among them and slay them and cause the work to cease. And it came to pass that when the Jews which dwelt by them came, they said unto us ten times, From all places whence ye shall return unto us, they will be upon you. Therefore I set uh, in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places, I even sent, uh, set the people after their families and with their swords, their spears, and their bows. 
And I looked, and I rose up, and I said unto the nobles and the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not afraid of them. Now the leader had to stand up and say, Guys, remember God. Don't be afraid of these naysayers. Don't be afraid of the enemy. They want you to stop building on the wall. They want you to cease serving God. They want you to stop doing what God has called you to do. He goes on. He says, remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. You see what Nehemiah is doing? He's counteracting that discouragement that the enemy has put on him. He says, guys, remember God. Remember the one who, who has called you to do this. Fight for your families. Fight for your, your, for your God. Fight for your church. Fight for what God has called you to do. Listen, if discouragement has started sitting in on you because things aren't going the way you thought they should go, remember God. In fact, I want everybody to say that. Remember God. Say it like you mean it. Remember God. Because He has called you to a specific task. And when you begin to feel discouragement creeping in, remember God. When you, decide, when you feel like you just might as well give up, remember God. And fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your houses. In verse 15, And it come to pass when our enemies heard that it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned, all of us, to the wall, everyone back to his work. Isn't that great? The leader stood up and said, Guys, remember God. He will fight this battle. Now in verse 15 we see they said, Wow, God will do this. And they got up and went back to work. Let's talk about this this morning because I believe that discouragement is the chief occupational hazard of being a Christian. You see, it, it, it can range from the moody blues all the way to clinical depression. That's what it can do to us. Look, discouragement can, can attack us even when we're walking with God. It, 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 also, uh, it can also pass through all kinds of phases. Let me give you some phases of how discouragement goes. Let me show you how discouragement can go from uh, just maybe a weariness all the way up to even clinical depression, okay? You see, here, here's the way it works here. You know, one is weary, you know, and, and it feels like it's just the blahs or the lack of energy. Have you ever been so uh, busy that you just, man, I'm weary here. I just don't have the energy that I used to have, not because I'm getting old, okay? Of course, you, when you start getting old, you do lose some energy. But in your ministry, in your work, you begin to get weary, and you begin to just maybe have the blahs or, or lack of energy. And if that's not dealt with at that point, okay, then that will move into sadness, you know? And, and, and that is an overall weariness. Then it goes to a feeling of, well, nothing matters. Nothing matters nothing makes a difference everything I try to do it just doesn't work so it nothing makes the difference that I try to do and from there comes the feeling of helplessness helplessness in other words feeling that I'm caught and I'm chained by this discouragement I can't break free from this discouragement and from that if it's not dealt with the next thing is a feeling of hopelessness feeling that there is no hope 
I just can't go any farther. I've gone as far as I can go. I might as well just throw up my hands and walk away. How many times have I seen people just walk away from the church because of discouragement? Because they've then gotten to this point without dealing with that discouragement, that they just throw up their hands and they walk away. That sense of hopelessness then transfers down to a feeling that nothing is ever going to change. It'll always be this away. Then that shifts to the idea that no one cares. Nobody cares what I do. Nobody's noticing what I do around the church. Nobody, no, nobody in the family is realizing what I do as a mother or father. Nobody even noticed this. No one cares. No one cares about me. No one cares about my problems. You see how this has started to escalate because we didn't deal with it here? And it goes on. If you do not deal with it by that point, it develops into anger and a sense of rejection, a sense of resentment, and then bitterness. And then there's that feeling, I just want to die. I just don't want to go on. Susan Ray, how many of you remember Susan Ray that used to sing some country music? Nobody? I did because I thought she was real pretty, you know, so I listened to her music. Susan Ray sang a song, Stop the World and Let Me Off. Stop the World and Let Me Off. We get to the point in our discouragement. That's what we want to do. Just stop the world, let me off. Many people face discouragement on a daily basis. However, folks, listen, God does not desire his people to be discouraged. Look, if you're facing discouragement this morning, God does not want you to be discouraged. And you know what? God has you here this morning because you need to hear this message. You need to hear what discouragement is going to do in your life if you don't begin to deal with it. Look, after a while, some of the people on the wall, they begin getting discouraged, we, hear, we see here. But because, remember we talked last week about the people had a mind to work? Because the people had a mind to work, they were able to overcome that discouragement. By the power of Jesus Christ, folks, we can defeat discouragement. But in order to defeat it, perhaps we need to understand what causes it. What causes this discouragement? What brings this on? Just what is it that opens the door for discouragement to enter into my life, whether it's in the church, whether it's in my marriage, or in my family, or in my job, or any other area of life? What will open the door? I want you to see five reasons for discouragement. Five things, five steps here for discouragement. First of all is fatigue. Fatigue. It says in verse 10, And Judah said, The strength of our bearers is a burden is decayed. In other words, Nehemiah, the strength of our laborers is failing. They, 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 they are tired. They're, 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 the fatigue has set in, you know. They've worked hard. They've worked day and night. And, and there's fatigue that is set within their life. They had been working on this wall continuously now, and they were tired. They were wore out. Have you ever felt that way in church, that you've just worked and worked and worked, and you're tired? You're, you're tired. Your body is just worn out. 
You know what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 19? He tells us that our body belongs to the Lord. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit of God and anything we do to bring harm upon that is a sin against God even if we allow ourselves to work so hard we get fatigued. We've got to learn to discipline ourselves. We've got to learn to discipline our bodies so that we don't get to that fatigue state because that fatigue state is what starts everything else into motion. Look, as a result of too many irons in the fire, too many hours on the job, you know, involved in too many activities, what happens is we unknowingly drain our bodies of its energy. And as a result, that leaves the door open for discouragement to set in. You know, we understand this. We can be so involved with activities outside the church. Listen to me now. Nothing wrong with activities outside the church. But we can be involved in so many activities outside the church that it begins to affect our ministry inside the church because we're so tired of everything we're doing out there. Folks, listen, when it gets to the point that the activities you are involved in outside the church is affecting your uh, activities within the church, your ministry within the church, you better step back and take a look at it. Because fatigue is going to set in. And when it does, that's what opens the door to discouragement. You've got to put a stop to it right then. Look, when we're tired and our nerves are on the edge, when we are, 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 are distressed and, and not getting the proper nutrition and the, the proper rest, that, you know, then we are prime candidates for discouragement and depression to set in. Now, are you at that first stage today that you're so involved in some things, activities, that maybe it's affecting your ministry at the church? Maybe it's keeping you from being involved in ministry at church. Think about it. Think about it. Look, when we become fatigued, we become weary and battled. That's what happened to the people. The second thing is this frustration frustration we see it in verse 10 they, they, they were tired because they had been working day and night and what happens is they start looking around for excuses okay they start looking around for excuses so what do they say in verse 10 there's much rubbish look at all of this rubbish okay in other words the fatigue caused them to begin looking for negative things around them Boy, I could write a book, and probably so could Brother Danny back here, who, by the way, feel you've done a great job. You know, you sometimes do a good job, and you've done a good job last week, you know. For some who don't understand that, you need to be here for Bible studies. That'll, that'll soak in. But, you know, what, what my point is there, we begin to look around, and we begin to see problems as a result of frustration, Okay? And, and that's what happened here. There's so much rubbish that we're not able to build this wall. There's so much rubbish. You know, what are we going to do here? They were becoming frustrated because of the rubbish about them. And that's what, what happens when fatigue sets in. We start looking for negative things. Now I remember what I was gonna, how I brought Brother Danny into this. I could write a book, and probably so could Brother Danny, 
How many times we've seen people leave the church because they got to this frustration stage? Could you identify with that, Brother Danny? They were frustrated. And what they done is began to look around for negative things, why they should leave the church. And let me tell you something. If you start looking for negative things within a church, you might as well fill up your gas tank in your car because you're going to be leaving. Because, believe it or not, there are negative things in every church. And if you're looking for something negative in Fairview, trust me, you can find it probably starting right here in front of you, you know. But, but that's what happened to the people. Because of fatigue, okay, it led to frustration. And they began to look around to find the negative thing. And they saw it. it I mean, Satan's going to make it right out there before you. Now, when frustration sets in, what happens is we begin picking others and things about us apart. Okay? We begin picking things apart in order to justify our feelings of negativity within the church. Look, th this, this is the response of so many when they're fatigued, you know, and it turns into frustration. Everything others do, everything others say, they find fault and negative, uh, negativity within it. No one can say or do anything right. The entire world stinks. <laughs> you know, everything about that church stinks. Hey, and this goes to the job, too. I mean, we start when, when we get fatigued and we get, you know, uh, it moves to that frustration state. Even on your job, you start finding things wrong. And you look around and you say, the whole world stinks. You know, it's kind of like the uh, old uncle who had one of them big handlebar mustaches, okay? And his, his, his nephews one day, he was in there asleep, and they went and they got some Limeburger cheese. Anybody ever smelt that Limeburger cheese? It stinks. And, and they took some of that Limeburger cheese and they put it on the ends of his handlebar mustache. Well, he was asleep. And it didn't take long to... He woke up. He said... Man, this room stinks. So he goes into the living room. He says, maybe there's some fresh air in the living room. He goes in the living room, sits down in his chair, turns on the TV. Man, this living room stinks. So he goes outside. He says, I can get some fresh air outside. He goes outside, stands on the back porch, takes a deep breath, and he said, the whole world stinks. And you know, that's where we can get to, folks, if we get to this second stage of frustration. Everything stinks around me. So since everything stinks, it must be everybody's fault. No fault of my own, because that's just the way it is. You see, the attack also, we need to understand, came from inside. No longer was it Sanballat and those guys. Now it was attack from Judah okay now don't miss this notice it was the tribe of Judah that began to complain the strongest of all tribes it's not just the weak that are susceptible to frustration folks even a strong Christian can get to this stage if they don't deal with the fatigue to begin with right off the bat even a strong Christian can get to this stage because we see Judah got to this stage 
And the third thing is there, no one is, uh, is beyond experiencing frustration which can lead to discouragement if not brought under control. Listen to me this morning. If you're tired and you're wore out and it has led you already to the frustration stage, okay, you better get it under control now because it just gets worse as we're going to see here in a moment. You see, at first, these accusations, don't, don't forget, came against them from Tobiah and Sanballat and Geshem, and then the enemies from without. You know, now they were coming from within. Sometimes we can handle the enemies and the attacks they put upon us better than we can those from within, those who are supposed to love us. It's easy for me to handle the attacks from outside people. I... I, I, I you know, I'm kind of like a, a duck. You know, I got oil on my back. It just rolls off. I pay no attention to it from outside people. But, folks, when it comes from my people, when it comes from inside, it hurts. It hurts. And that's what was happening here. It came from the inside, not the outside. We can handle those enemies from without. But when those within that, are, that love us and we love them, you know, it, it, it hurts. And if we allow fatigue to enter in, frustration will be the next thing we face. And we've all been frustrated at one time or another in our life. If not, you will be. If you've never been frustrated in your life with your job, your marriage, your kids for sure, okay, your church, if you've never been frustrated with any of that, trust me, you will be. You're going to face it. We've all been frustrated at one time or another, it, and it seems like we'll never make it, that we'll never win, that we'll never reach our destination. And when one is frustrated, it's always going to lead to the third cause, which is fault-finding. Third cause of discouragement is fault finders. Look, carping critics are everywhere. And if you listen to fault finders and negative voices, folks, it will bring discouragement into your life. Don't listen to fault finders. Because the spiritual gift of a fault finder is to find fault in you. And not just find fault in you, but fault in everyone else. And by the way, it's not a spiritual gift. <laughs> I was just throwing that in because they think it's the spiritual gift. They think God has given me the spiritual gift to find all the things wrong with you. Look, carping Christian, or critics are everywhere. And if you listen to them, you will get discouraged. Don't continue to hang around fault finders. Rather, find those who encourage you and you spend your time with them. Let me, let me tell you something about negative people. Let me tell you something about gossipers. The gossipers are negative people. You know, if someone will talk to you about somebody else, and if they'll point out to you the faults they see in somebody else, guess what happens when they go talk to that somebody else? They're telling them about your faults. That's what fault finders do. That's what negative people do, is they find fault. And everyone. And you know why they like finding fault in people? Because it makes them feel a whole lot better than everyone else. It, they think it lifts them up above those they're finding fault in. But that's not the case. 
That's not the case. You see, fault finders will only deepen your discouragement where encouragers will help you conquer the most contagious spiritual disease there is. I, 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 I want to I tell you this. This spiritual disease of fault finding is worse than COVID ever thought about being. It will destroy more than what COVID has destroyed. Because when you destroy the soul and the spirit of a person, when you destroy you know, that, that drive within a person to do the work of the Lord, you've done more damage to that person than COVID, AIDS, or anything else can do to that individual. Why would you want to subject yourself to being around someone who's always tearing you down rather than building you up? You know, the choice is yours as to what kind of people you allow in your life. Let me say that again. The choice is yours as to what kind of people you allow into your life. And if you're continually allowing fault finders into your life, oh, this is going to sound terrible. It's going to sound unchristian-like. It's going to sound unspiritual. But you deserve what you get. If you're allowing them into your life, you deserve what you get. Stay away from fault finders. The next thing is failure. We see in verse 10, there is much rubbish. You see, they had a mind to work and, and, and had been doing so, so good, you know, that they had endured the attacks from without. But because of fatigue and it led to frustration, these attacks from the, uh, these attacks from the fault finders from within, they began looking around them and allowed Satan to take their focus off the vision. What was the vision God gave them? Build this wall. But because they had gotten to this uh, a third step here, what happened is, you know, the, the fatigue set in, the frustration set in, they allowed fault finders to be around them. Satan took their focus off the vision of building the wall, and he placed it on failing because of all the rubbish that was about them. Now, just what was the rubbish that brought about discouragement? The rubbish was the garbage from the past. Now, why were they there? Remember, the walls were torn down, the gates were burned, there was rubbish all over Jerusalem. Okay? Rubbish was the gar garbage from the past about of Jerusalem. And that's what they was now focusing on. They took their focus, they allowed Satan to take their focus off the vision of seeing the brand new wall and the brand new gates to turn it around and say, wait a minute, look at all this garbage. Look at all this garbage around us. Look at here. How many people has Satan destroyed by causing them to get their focus off the vision that God has placed before them and back on their past failures? I believe it would be fitting to say that all of us have some past failures within our life. Is there anybody in here who can look back at your life and say, I didn't fail in no area? I didn't think so. We all have past failures in our life. I have a past. You have a past. All God's children have a past. But folks, listen. The past is just that. It's, it's the past. Now, here's a thought. Yesterday ended last night. What is yesterday? Yesterday's the past. 
Yesterday ended last night, and there's nothing we can do to go back and change yesterday. So any failure you had yesterday, there's nothing you can do about it. So why look around at it and, and dwell on that? Look, no one can go back and make a brand new start, my friend, but anyone can start from now and make a brand new end. And we've got to understand that. Forget your past. Yes, you made a mistake. Yes, it was a stupid mistake. Yes, it's a mistake you wished you'd have never done, and a mistake, you know, you say, why did I do that? Again, yesterday ended last night. You can't go back and change it. So why focus on it? Why focus on it? <clears throat> and that's what that happened here. You know, because of the fatigue and, and all, it had gotten to this point that they began to look around at the past. Looking around at the past took their focus off the vision and onto something they could not even change. They could not even change. And that's what it will do to you. You see, the rubbish was a constant reminder of past failures. The rubbish was a constant reminder of past failures. Look, there's, there, there are some things in my past that if I were to dwell on them, it would totally make me think I could do nothing good for God. Okay? I, I could draw up some things from my past, and if I began focusing on them, Satan would show me, and you think you're worthy to stand behind a pulpit? Look what you've done in your past. And chances are, all of us have that same thing. There's some things in our past that Satan wants to use to tell us you're not worthy to serve God because look what you did. No, don't look because it's in the past. It's over with. If you've asked God's forgiveness from it, you've been forgiven of it, so why go back to it? Let a dead dog lie. Because, listen, if you kick a dead dog, you're just going to stir up a stink. So leave it there. Leave it there. Look, I don't know about you, but there's plenty of rubbish in my life that I simply turned over to God years ago, and I have not went back to it, and I will not go back to it. Look, one is not always in control of the garbage. Don't miss this. We threw it up here for you. One is not always in control of the garbage in their past, but they do have control over how they respond to the garbage of the past. Just a thought. Nothing you can do to change it. But there are some things that you can do to have control over how you respond to it. You know, where, where many mess up today is doing the same thing. They, they look at the nasty debris of their past and it reminds them of their past failures. And when we're focused on our past failures, we lose focus of what lies ahead. We must realize that debris and discouragement are ugly twins. Look, if you get caught up in the garbage of the past, you will never move forward to that. If you get caught up in the garbage of the past. Look, the same holds true for any relationships, whether, you know, a family or a church. If we hold on to past failures and continue to dig up the garbage of the past, you know, we're going to stall and never move forward for God. We must, you know, forget past financial problems. We must forget past immoral acts. We must forget the past of harsh words that we spoke or someone spoke to us. 
That's all garbage, folks. It's all garbage. It's all in the past. And it's going to bog you down and cause you to fail if you focus on it. Their statement was, we're not able to look at all this mess. Look, turn loose of the, of the past and look to the future. Now, the last thing is fear. Okay, this is the fifth step. Fear. <clears throat> look at verse 11. And our adversary said, they shall not know, neither see, till we come in the mist, uh, mist among them and slay them and cause their work to cease. What were they doing? Again, they were thinking about the past. Well, you know, our enemy said they're going to come in here and kill us. They're going to come in here and destroy us. They're going to come in here and, and cause the work to cease. Thinking on that, remembering what the enemy said brought fear upon them. Here in verse 11, we can see because of their fatigue, it led to frustration, which led to fault finding, you know, which bred an attitude of failure, and now fear creeps in. And that fear was threefold, folks. First of all, the fear of death, the fear of failure, and the fear of rejection. That was the threefold thing about fear. The fear of death, they're going to kill us. The fear of failure, we'll never be able to complete this wall. The fear of rejection, that God has turned his back upon us. Do you want to get to the point in your life that you've allowed discouragement to make you feel like God has rejected you? No. No, you don't. Look, the problem here was that the people were living too close to the enemy. Listen, the enemy is everyone who feeds you negative thoughts or cause you to have negative feelings. Let me say that in another way. If the only people you're hanging around with are people who make you feel like you're a failure, if you're hanging around people who feed you negative thoughts, if you're hanging around people who make you feel like a negative person, get away from them. Well, Pastor, you don't realize how long I've known them and how long they've been a friend of mine. Listen to me, they're not a friend of yours. Don't care how long you've known them. If they're giving you these negative thoughts, if they're giving you these negative feelings, if they're making you feel like you're a failure, they are not a friend. They're a foe. They're the enemy that Satan is going to use to destroy you through discouragement. Look, any time we study our Bible, we need to ask, well, what did this mean then and what does it mean for me today? In our Bible studies, you know, on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, I, I, I stress that. All right, here's what it says. What's it mean for me today? And that's the way we need to study our Bible. We need to know what it meant back then, you know, what the purpose of that writing was. But we also need to say, okay, how can I make it apply to me today? That's how we ought to study our writing. So what does this mean for us today? If we live too close to the enemy, we're going to begin to listen to their fearful voices. Look, the enemy will tell you you're going to fail. The enemy will tell you you're going to fall. The enemy's going to tell you you can't accomplish the goal that God has set before you. And if someone begins telling you your can'ts, avoid them. Avoid them. They're your enemy. Friends will encourage you and help you to move forward in God, with God where your enemy is going to try to stop you from doing what you know God has called you to do. You see, the problem with discouragement is that it's so contagious and it's so infectious 
that it, it, it will completely wipe out the entire camp in no time. Nehemiah recognized this. So what did he do? He took action immediately. And the same is true for your family. The same is true for your church or anything else. If not dealt with, it is going to destroy you. What it touches in no time at all will be destroyed. Now look at verse 14. Won't you see Nehemiah's response? And I looked and I rose up. Now what did he look at? He, he looked at... Everything that was happening around, how the people were tired, how the people, you know, was frustrated, how the people, you know, began to fear. He looked at all this. So what's he say? I rose up and I said to the nobles and the rulers and the rest of the people, be not afraid of them. Guys, get your focus back on what we're here for. Get your focus on what God has put before us. You know, don't look at them. Don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord. What did he say? Remember the Lord. Folks, don't forget God is in control. Don't forget God is, is more powerful than any enemy in your life, including Satan. Remember the Lord, he said, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brother and fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, Fight for your houses, church. We have to fight the enemy. Listen, this whole world we're living in is only going to get worse. It's only going to get worse. You know, we can pride ourselves in being a nation, one nation under God. But can I tell you something? That can change in a heartbeat. In fact, we have those in Washington, D.C. that if they could get their way, they would change that today. We have those in Washington, D.C. that if it was left up to them, we would not be able to have the freedom to worship that we have. Remember the Lord. Remember the Lord. And folks, we got to fight for our rights. we got to fight for the freedoms we have. Listen, we have men and women dying on a daily basis, giving their blood, you know, for the rights that we have as Americans. They understand that they must fight for their sons. They must fight for their daughters. They must fight for their wives. They must fight for their homes. They must fight for their country. What about us in the church? Do we understand we need to fight for our freedoms? We need to fight for our Lord? We need to fight for our families? Nehemiah understood that. Nehemiah gathered the people together and he told them, remember the Lord. He remembered them. You know, he reminded them that, guys, this is no playground. This is a battleground. And the same is true for you and I today. He reminded them that something worth building for God is worth fighting for. He reminded them, you know, that if we wallow around in self-pity, we're going to get stuck in that self-pity and never will accomplish anything for the Lord. Look, while there are times when we are discouraged and down, God's Word promises that we can defeat discouragement through the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. Are you discouraged this morning? You can have victory over that discouragement. But you know what? Religion won't do it. Being a Baptist is not going to get you over discouragement. Okay, religion won't do it. Church membership won't do it. Just because you're a member of Fairview Baptist Church, that's not enough to get you over discouragement. 
well, I've been through the baptism of water. Surely that can get me through discouragement. Baptism water will get you wet, but it won't get you over discouragement. You see, folks, listen. The power to overcome discouragement comes only through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Only he can give you the power and the strength to overcome discouragement that may creep into your life. Don't allow Satan to destroy you with discouragement. What got the people back on the wall? Because we're told the people had a mind to work. And that mind to work overcame the discouragement that began to set in. I told you a number of weeks ago that this, uh, this series here is not just a series to, you know, take up eight or ten weeks on Sunday morning so it would be easy for me to prepare sermons, but I had an ulterior motive for this study. And you're going to find out a little bit later on. You're going to find out a little bit later on you know, what that ulterior motive is. Because we're going to be challenging you to get involved in ministry. And when you do, Satan's going to come after you. You know, Satan could care less if you're not involved in ministry. You know, if you only show up on Sunday mornings, Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, that's okay. Because you know what? He, he or some of his demons are here too. <laughs> All right? So he, he goes to church, so... He's not concerned if a person goes to church. What concerns Satan and what will get him fired up against you is being involved in ministry, doing what God has called you to do. Then look for the attacks. Then look for the attacks. So are you here this morning, and maybe you are already on one of these five steps we looked at this morning, these five stages of discouragement. Don't leave here this morning the same way you came in discouraged, down and out, feeling negative about yourself, feeling guilty about yourself. In a moment, we're going to have a song of invitation. You need to be down at this altar asking God for the strength and the power to overcome that discouragement, and he'll give it to you. If you're here this morning, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you know what? You're going to have to fight discouragement in your life by yourself because you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit within your life to give you the strength to overcome that discouragement and what you need to do when we stand here in just a moment have this song of invitation you need to come let us share more about Christ with you and how you can obtain the Holy Spirit within your life and then you will have the power to overcome discouragement not if it comes in your life but when but when Let's pray.